welcome to the True Talk Cafe podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited you're here. Our podcast will tackle a myriad of topics ranging from relationships to personal development and everything in between. My name is Renee Stewart, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Anna Garcia, Carla DeCore, and Lali Ramirez-Bennett. Collectively, we span four generations. Can you believe that? We've all experienced ups and downs in our personal lives and professional careers that have qualified us to share our unique perspectives with you, and we're excited to do so. But before we get into today's content, I wanted to let you know where you can find us on social media. On Instagram and Facebook, you can use at True Talk Cafe. And on Twitter, you can use at True Talk Cafe One. Don't forget to like us, rate us, and leave a review. We value your feedback. We want to ensure that we are providing content that resonates with you. So please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts. Spoiler alert, you will want to stay tuned to hear what our guests are going to share about this exciting topic today. Also, stick around to find out how you can join us on a live show. We would love to have you join us on one of our episodes. Now, let's get started. Today's episode is called Disruptive Women. We're going to discuss how women are disrupting all industries with thinking that is so different from the status quo that completely revolutionizes the sphere in which it operates. And challenging the status quo is how change is made. So in despite the inherent risk that comes with pushing boundaries, countless women have shown us that doing so has the power to transform the world forever. Women's disruptive work is pushing past the way things have always been to create a future that is more impactful, more sustainable, and more inclusive for everyone. At the core of the work that they do is bravery. Bravery to critically look at their industry and say, we can do better. As our conversation continues today, we'll explore how women are challenging the norm and dreaming big and truly, truly making a difference. Yes, and to add to this discussion, we have invited our guests, who many will say are experts in disruption and are very familiar with this topic that will share their expertise and experience with us. First, we will have Michelle Stockman. Michelle is CEO and Creative Director at Techno Solutions, a design firm located in Breeze, Illinois. Michelle's business mission is to generate long-lasting relationships while finding design solutions for her clients. She is also busy building powerful and engaging networking groups. In 2013, Women Empowering Women, also known as Woo, was founded. Woo stresses collaboration over competition by promoting and facilitating meaningful relationships. It is a networking group that encourages, empowers, and inspires professional women of all ages and backgrounds. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Sometimes I'm going to try and how you added Woo. Thank you. <laughs> Love it. And we also have Christy Daniels Jackson. Christy is known as the GPS coach, Harris Stowe State University, driving entrepreneurs towards solid goals, purpose, and solution. Christy is a serial entrepreneur, CEO of DK Solutions LLC, a boutique creative consulting and media firm. She is sought out consultant, coach, author, and professional speaker with 20 years of experience creating purpose-driven projects, facilitating training and empowering a variety of clients to dream and launch. Christy is also the creator of Vispiration, 
brand and founder of She Can Connect Women's Professional Faith and Business Network. Welcome, Christy. We're so glad that you guys are able to join us to share your thoughts and personal experiences on this topic. Thank you so much for having me. And, and I'm so impressed that you got Bispiration right. <laughs> well, thank you for that. <laughs> but guys, thank you again, honestly. I cannot wait to dive into this topic because we know it's very important. Typically, when it comes to self-advocacy, women are better at advocating for people and causes that they care about than they are at advocating for themselves. When discussing a job offer or raising funds, it is tough for women to tell managers or investors that they are worth more than the first offer. Have you found it challenging to ask for what's your worth? If so, would you like to share an example? Either one of you ladies can answer that question. I will say that it's a yes and a no. I have gotten to a stage in life where wisdom sort of takes over the fear. And earlier in my life, before I said something special happens around the age of 40, where you begin to know who you are and you begin to celebrate that. And I will say that you should have gotten me before the age of 40 because I didn't know who I was. I was afraid to ask for what I deserved. But I will say recently, within the last five or so years, I am so proud to say that I have advocated for the salary that I am worth. But what I had to realize, that I wasn't afraid to lose the opportunity. I wasn't afraid for the consequence, quote unquote, that was going to happen behind that ask. And so it's been a process for me, but it has been a beautiful thing for me to be able to gain that courage. And I encourage so many women to do that. It just starts with the first time. It's hard the first time that you try, but the more you do it, you become more comfortable with it. But it's first knowing, knowing what you're worth. Love how you said that about the waiting until you're you're older. You've hit that time where you're realizing that. Yes, watch me earlier, right? I have that from when when I started. I lived in that world of of total doubt, and I had to work really hard to prove myself when I was younger. I come from a little bit different situation because I became an entrepreneur very early on, so I didn't have that corporate ladder to try and climb. I had to kind of prove it all on my own. And I started out in that world of IT, which male dominated world. I was very fortunate. I will say this all the time that most of the business I originally got was because of my name. My name is Michelle spelled M-I-C-H-E-L-L. So it looks like Michael or Mitchell. And a lot of times I got that door open to get in there because people thought I was a Michael or Mitchell. And then whoop, I show up, I'm female. And I don't have a chip on my shoulder from that. It, it didn't really bother me. I kind of looked at it as a way of sneaking in because once I knew if I could get there, I could prove I knew what I was doing there. I was better. I could bring it and dub it down to that. So I didn't necessarily have to prove my cost worth so much. I more had to prove that why I needed to belong there and why I had more added value than my male counterparts in there because I brought so much more to the table. I didn't just try to overwhelm with the acronyms that are all IT based and everything. I could show that other value in, in sharing that information. 
And that being said, I I was helped greatly by a lot of incredible men. So I don't want that to come across as a male bashing thing of sorts. I, I was able to get there from that and learn from that. So, so Michelle, what you're saying is even your name spelling is disruptive, right? That's what I so disruptive. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is too funny. And Christy. I absolutely agree with you. I was just telling somebody today that at my age, I'm almost 60, I turned 59 this year, and I've never felt stronger, better. And to your point, back then, I didn't have the wisdom or the experience that I have today. So you might have got me beforehand today. Watch out, because uh, right. I'll probably get you, right? That's right. <laughs> so absolutely love that comment. So it's funny as I as I'm I'm looking at this next question that we want to ask you. It's funny that they gave it to me because I always consider myself a bit of a rebel, right? I don't necessarily worry about what's supposed to be or what norm we should have for a woman. I feel like you should be able to do whatever you are comfortable doing and willing to do. But the question we wanted to ask is I'm gonna set this a little bit. Apparently, women navigating their workplace relationships seems to suggest there's a right and a wrong way for women to behave or carry themselves. How can a woman's actions, verbal or nonverbal, impact others or themselves? And again, understand the rebel in Lolly's going to tell you, I think as long as I feel comfortable with it, hey, I'm good. But what do you think, Michelle? Yeah, I love Goodness. So this is one of those, I was vulnerable and authentic before it was cool, right? It was just, I was too open and honest and blunt. And I struggle with this a little bit because as women, if we're succeeding, we must be doing something unethical, right? We've gotten to that place unethically. If we're stern or direct or blunt, we're probably labeled bitchy. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Please edit it if I'm not. But we get that rep, right? And I find we don't really get that so much from men. I find that sometimes we get that cattiness more from women who tend to be our worst foes saying those kind of things when we're not helping one another with that. We're putting that out there as, oh, well, I'm sure she got this or this raise or this whatever because of X, Y, Z. She couldn't have got it because of her merits, her hard work ethics, her dedication to her trade. It had to be something else. And so I really, I really struggle with that. And I read an article once about women at leadership tables and women at leadership tables should not nod. How we nod. And I find myself bobbleheading all the time because I see it as I want you to know I'm really listening. I'm paying attention and we shouldn't be at a table taking notes with that. I also struggle with because I'm a terrible, I have so many things going on. I need to jot them down and I can multitask that way. But when we do those things, the article had mentioned that we're perceived as the secretaries, as the assistants, instead of at the leaders of that table who belong at that table. Because men aren't typically, or those in a higher position aren't typically jotting the notes. They have somebody there jotting the notes for them. They have somebody who they're just sitting back listening, 
They're not nodding all the time. They're not smiling. I like to smile. I have this goofy smile all the time. And I find it that it's a way for people to come and look. But I was told don't smile at a table when you're at those kind of places because it makes you seem puppy dog-ish or ignorant because you just have this this goofy thing. I, I can't not smile at it. But I just found that was really fascinating, those kind of perceived nonverbals that might be relaying some information. I'm not aware of that way. So I, I just found that part really interesting. I tend to nod a lot and nodding patients. <laughs> yeah, I usually do, right? And and having worked in in communications for multiple decades, I would say that we are constantly taught that smiling is a way to convey an overall attitude, right? It doesn't mean I'm in agreement. It doesn't mean it doesn't. I'm just sitting here listening to you. It's a Mona Lisa smile. Yeah. It's, 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 and so I think even in that respect, I mean, like anything, you take it, you kind of digest it, decide what fits for you, and then take it the way you want. But I think that it's good to think about it from that perspective. Good thing is I never take notes. Anna knows that. So that piece I don't have to worry about. Oh, and then we ask you, to her, what was that about? Right. Yeah, I, a good thing I have a great memory even till today. And then I have Anna, so she keeps me in line. <laughs> Christy, what do you think? I'm thinking lots of things, to be honest. I'm thinking first and foremost, there is a movie, A Hope Floats, and it's probably dating myself. But one of the best lines from that movie is that everything we go through in adulthood is really trying to get over the mess that we went through in childhood, right? And so when we think about these nonverbals and the messages that we've gotten from our youth, as girls, I have remember, I remember doing a keynote where I just talked about me being told that I'm too much from the very beginning. I was a taller child, so I'm like three or four in dance class and I'm the tallest in the back. So I learned early that I was too tall. I can now say that I've grew up having a lot of energy with my considerate hyperactive. I've been told from you that I'm too busy ask too many questions, too curious, too loud, too much, too much, too much, too much, right? But what I've learned is that I've learned to own it because that's my unique difference. And when you talk about these concepts and these rules and these norms, right, who sets those rules and who sets those norms? Those are not models that we have to follow. And so I've always learned to sort of, when I hear those things, it takes me back to the why. And then I remember whoever created that norm or that rule didn't have me in mind, right? <laughs> so if, and that's just part of my disruptive thinking. They didn't have a chance to meet me or know me. So if you tell me that nodding is conceding, no, nodding, as you kind of mentioned, Lolly, for me, and especially as African-American women, that is consistent, consensus. That's community. It's saying, hey, I'm with you. And there is beauty in that sisterhood and in that community. And so some of those things you take with a grain of salt. And as you begin, I have to come back to that wisdom. As you begin to grow as a woman and you begin to own that unique difference and that brilliance of who you are as a woman, you begin to see those things as beautiful. 
And I love this concept about these nonverbals because I've always been one also where you can read my face. I try not to say it out of my mouth, but you end up. <laughs> right. I mean, the whole story is, is on my face. But what people have told me is that that speaks integrity. That speaks authenticity to them. And it sort of gives them permission to speak the things that they're they're thinking too, because it sort of affirms like I'm not the only one that that mm-hmm. sort of that has this same idea. So there is power in those nonverbals. I remember doing a uh, with women really about communication styles as it relates to to nonverbals with women, and that's just a gift that we have being expressive. Hey, I've learned. You can't hate on us because you can't do it the way that we do it. I'm not going to let that. you diminish those gifts and abilities that I have to be able to communicate verbally, to be able to communicate non-verbally, right? Don't hate, appreciate. <laughs> oh, say, oh, my goodness. This, this is a I'm on a rant, but I'm telling <laughs> Our listeners cannot hear our snap, so let me just say snap, 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 snap. snap. the way. Yes. Can I just briefly add yes. to that? I love what you said because I love everything that has to do with women and how we empower each other. And one day my husband came and said, you know, what's the problem with you women trying to improve women and the workforce? And I looked at him some kind of way, like, what are you about to say? And he said that you all keep trying to be like men. And he's like, you do not need to imitate what men are doing in the workforce to be included and to be respected. So you need to just be who you are and create your own table. You don't need to be at the table, create your own table. And that is so true. Like ever since he said that, it resonated with me that I don't have to act like a man or react to or respond the way that a man in leadership will react. I can be me and create that for the next generation coming after me. So love both perspectives. Great discussion. That's a beautiful <laughs> bow on that, Carla. Mm-hmm. I really do think that we think about and we talk so much about being authentic, and yet we try to push back on who we are and what we would do because of how other people would interpret it. Uh-huh. I think that's where the disruptiveness, we own it, be who you are, accept who you are. And if you can't handle us, well, sorry, on you go. It's I am yeah. who I am. So thank you so much for that conversation, ladies. That's right. That's right. And the next question is more about the wage gap that we know exists. The wage gap and the leadership gap continue to be an issue within our world everywhere. And how do you feel that women as entrepreneurs seeking investments or employees seeking promotions in the field, how can they level the gap that exists with their male counterparts? Yeah. How can women as entrepreneurs seeking investments or employees seeking promotions level the field with their male counterparts? What do you ladies think about that one? When I think about investing, right, we have to get the seat at the table for one, right? And the this idea of, I love what you mentioned, Dr. Carla, about the comment that your husband made about stopping this business, about trying to represent yourself as a male, right? A representation of what is typical for a male. And when we're seeking investments and things of that nature, your unique value proposition is what stands out among the rest. It is proven that when you invest in women, you get more of a return on what we're able to do. 
We're more collaborative. We're very creative. We're very resourceful. And so those are things that we have to realize as selling points. And I always wonder, you sort of see in movies and various situations where there is this one leader that may rise up against, against the masses. And that one leader has that power over the masses. And I always wonder, why aren't the masses rising up against that one leader? There are more of us than there are of them. And so if women would come together, there are so many funding resources out there now where we don't have to just rely on that angel investor. I love this Kiva model where we all put our money into the hats, right? And so there's different levels. We have to begin to think more creatively about what those funding sources, this is where the disruption comes in, where those funding sources can, can come from. And even with moving up into various levels through the corporate ladder, I saw a statistic once that said that women don't even apply for executive level positions, right? It's not that they're not welcome in those seats. A lot of us don't even apply for the positions. It's like we, we count ourselves out before we <clears throat> even go through the process of applying. And so you have to shift that mindset. So some of these things are not statistical wondering. These are just different mindsets and action steps that we can take because we actually have power to make a difference. And so, I mean, all of us here are represented in a variety of industries with a variety of, of ex levels of experience. If we decided to come together around a collaborative idea, what an impact we could make. Now, I understand that it starts with a ripple. It starts with that pebble and then it has to take time to ripple. But somebody has to be that disruptor and be willing to take that very first step. It's the laws of science, right? It's the physics. It's going to continue to gain momentum and gain that friction. So we have to believe that. And what comes to me also is the abundance mentality. Sometimes when we as women get into these leadership positions, we are not mentoring. We are not sponsoring other women to incorporate them, to make them aware of the opportunities that are there as well, because we may have that idea that there's only space for me. And so I try to challenge women to think a little bigger and take the, res the personal responsibility to sponsor someone. And what? It could just start with an email, making a connection, making an introduction, but being willing to do that. And it again, I always just go back to this trust. And believe me, it has been a journey, but I'm so excited of, of, about the place where I finally have gotten because of the sinks. I've written a book on entrepreneurship titled Dream Sync Launch. And it talks about this process of leadership and entrepreneurship where we start with this pie in the sky idea about what's possible. So we as little girls, right, we have this vision and this idea of what we want to be when we grow up, right? And then life happens. We see all the statistics that tell us what we cannot be. We see all the, the media that doesn't look like us, right? Or it doesn't show us as the standard. But you can utilize that to grow as an individual. And as I talked about earlier, understand your unique difference and use that to launch and stand out from the rest. So I encourage women that are listening today, think of that one person in your circle. It could be a niece, it could be a neighbor, it could be a colleague, someone that you work with. What can you do 
to open the door just a little bit wider for that woman that you would have appreciated that you had that sponsorship or that opportunity as you were developing in your career. We have to stop this nonsense about thinking that there's not enough. And I love these conversations around disruption, right? Because it is possible. It doesn't take you just moving the whole system across the world. It can start within your team that you work with every day. It can start within your household. It can start with your book club. It can start with wherever circle of influence that you may have. But believing that that small gesture is going to make the impact. So I'm just going to end with that. But that's always an area where we kind of have to remember the power that we do have. We focus so much on the power that we don't have, but we forget what we do have. That's beautiful. I like that. Christy Jackson and I share a similar brain. So she pretty much said everything that was on my notes. And I almost wanted to come across this podcast and go, Christy, stop. This no, but you said all of that so eloquently. And I don't have a lot of personal experience in that field because as I've owned my business for 22 years, I mean, I was a teacher before that, but that didn't last very long because I jumped right into this. So I've been able to pave that, create that if I wanted more money. I mean, I can make whatever title I want, right? Like I can be other than I really want to be president of Walt Disney, but that's not (laughs) on my radar anytime soon. But I get, and I'm a risk taker. I know that a lot of people aren't. I'm willing to try it, see what happens. If it doesn't work out, move on. So I've been able to do it a little differently than other people. I do know people who, women who, won't apply for the job. I've met those people. No, I I wasn't in, I don't have my bachelor's degree. I don't have three years experience, but the experience they have in something else can relate. Some people can't see widgets are widgets, services are services, skills are skills, and they can be replicated. They might not fit this mold, But that skill set, that desire could really be crafted in a way that could be so much more beneficial to a company, to an organization than the person who meets those X, Y, Z boxed requirements. I know when I'm hiring someone, I... I like the moldable person. I like the someone who has the base set of skills, but... I want to be able to craft them my way. I build on culture as well. There's so much that we can do together. You might not have this check mark, but if you have a passion and a willingness to learn it, to put 800% into it, to try to show me that, that's so much more valuable. And I feel like a lot of these places, a lot of businesses need to embrace that component And the people applying or the people attempting to get that. You want to get a different job because you're unhappy with the field you're in. Go for it. Start building those skills. Start feeling that confident. Figure out, okay, maybe I don't have this experience that they're actually requiring, but what do you have that you could bring to that table that you could say, okay, no, I don't have this, but... I have a passion for learning, or I have this skill that might also be useful here in positioning it that way. And and I won't say it's just men. I do know other women that will apply for a position that they don't meet those requirements. And and it's 
but they have that risk, that risk taker thing. I, I also, Christy, you and I have mentioned and talked about this before the whole don't do it alone. It's hard. We're supposed to be able to do all of that because social media says we can because I know Christy and she must have got all that stuff her way. She must have done it by herself. Lolly, she's done all these phenomenal things. They've done all these things. And I'm sure, well, they're just really great people and, and they have all these skills and all this here. No, raise your hand if you've been helped along the way. If some woman, some man, if, if whomever has helped you along. I mean, we take the initiative. I'm pretty certain of it, but... I'm willing to admit I did not get here by myself. I had some great mentors. I've had equally horrible mentors who I feel like have really helped me more because they made me realize, wow, you're bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I feel like I love that saying, we rise by lifting others. I love that graphic that shows one woman reaching her hand down, lifting the other one up. We... We have to get here. And it doesn't have to be monumental, like Chrissy said. It's just crack that door open a little bit. Things we take so for granted because we've been doing it and we're seasoned women on this panel here. But not everybody knows those things that we're taking for granted. They don't know that little thing that could be that that crack in that door. Thank you. And I, I, I want to repeat something that you guys have actually stated multiple times during our conversation today, a lot of it is just asking. Ask for that job. Ask for that pay. In a meeting earlier today, Lolly and I were talking with some of our mentees, and they were talking about how empowered they were to negotiate yet now for pay and for, for the role and to have the luxury of saying, thank you for the offer. I no longer want it because you've asked for it. And so I think that's very, very important. So as we're seeking to really impact and level the field, I think we have to be more confident in asking. And there are a lot of skills that women by nature are stronger in. And I'm not saying it's scientifically proven. We have more empathy towards things. And how many times are you in an interview and they ask questions that are strictly only tied to the empathy, right? They're, it has nothing to do with your hard skills. It's all about the soft skills, the people skills. And Christy, you said it earlier, we're just more collaborative. We do things, certain things by nature. So to your point, tune into those things, right? Tune into those assets that we have, those skills that we have, and let's leverage them to really level the field. But not only that, to keep rising and to keep moving. So I love everything you guys said, and it actually ties right into the next question. Yeah, and I've added some more facts on this because we have to give statistics and provide numbers, but it's known that diversity and inclusion do have a positive impact on a company's bottom line. Deloitte has said that companies enjoy 2.3 times higher cash flow per employee. Gartner found that inclusive teams improve team performance by up to 30% in higher diversity environments. In a BCG study, companies with diverse management teams had 19% increase in revenue compared to their less diverse counterparts. However, women are still finding challenging to break through the glass ceiling. We are still having that struggle. What are disruptive women doing to break through that glass ceiling? And better yet, keep pushing it upward if it's not ready to break. Well, I'm excited to answer this question and I'll tell you why. 
What disruptive women are doing is calling it what it is. It is not a glass ceiling. It is bias. It is racism. It is a disinvestment in diversity and inclusion. There is not a ceiling. We have to begin to call things what they actually are and begin to have courageous conversations around those areas that we are afraid to talk about. And so let's just start with that. Let's just start with exposing the truth. That's what disruptive women do. And as they do that, they discover problems that are resulted or related to that. And then you try to collaborate to come up with a solution with that. And so in thinking about what I've done, right? I mean, I love what you said, Michelle, about just rising by lifting others. I have been in the workforce, whether I've worked in education, whether I've been an entrepreneur, all of the different of uh, my consulting company, but every role that I have had, I have never applied for a job. And that has been since I was out of college. My senior year in college, my student teaching was at the school that my mom worked at. And so I taught kindergarten at that school. So every job that I have had has been through sponsorship a relationship with a woman that saw the value in me, that mentored me to say, you bring a unique value here. Let's create a space for you. And so that's what disruptive women do. They create space for other women. But you also have to have your receipts because <laughs> you can talk about the things that you can do. But if you don't have the proof to back it up, it's just, I wish you guys could see my face. I wish you all could see. I'm, I'm making one of those nonverbals at this point. If you don't have the, the, the receipts to back it up, then it's just a conversation. So you can't argue with statistics or data. So you have to gather feedback. When you are killing it with different projects or in different roles and get those feedback, get those testimonials, get those references from your managers, from your teams, for those that you're serving, make sure that you understand the value that you bring and your unique value proposition. And then you have to put a plan in place. What actions are you going to take? And we'll, just for the sake of this conversation, what actions are you going to take and commit to taking to crack that glass ceiling that really doesn't exist, that is truly biased? I'm just getting that in there. I want that. To, I want to get that in your head. When you hear that, when you hear that glass ceiling, I want you to remember this conversation. There is no ceiling up there. It's bias, it's racism, and it's a lack of investment in diversity and inclusion. So what can we do with that? But it's also being willing to give and being willing to serve. There are areas that we can volunteer, we can learn. There may be some roles that you might not be equipped to serve in right now, but it, you can volunteer just so that you can kind of learn what's happening in those spaces. And you may ultimately have more influence in those spaces than you might ever think that you would. Nothing is better than mentorship and sponsorship. It is all about relationships. And I used to hate to say that. We talk about all of the skill sets that we had to have to have and all of the education and all of the experience. But people buy you because of you. Mm. If you don't know that they like you, they're going to create a space for you and let help you figure it out. I'm a witness. I've seen it. There have been people that have been hired for roles that had less experience, right, than maybe you or I might have. But they had a relationship 
with that person that was the decision maker. So what I'm saying is that there is value in women coming together. And if that is disruptive, then so be it. I'm here for it. Because again, we rise by lifting others. And there is beauty in that diversity. So Michelle, I'm going to leave it here because I could talk about this space all day long. But I have learned you just have to call it out and then we can deal with the truth. Mike, drop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Christy, I love you and I love everything you're saying is always like, oh, so good. It makes me think and it makes my brain stop a little bit because it's like, oh, never really thought of it like that. And and Christy and I have very honest and real. We've had some of these conversations before and it's it's a you don't know what you don't know kind of attitude as well. Right. I like to think that I am I am very inclusive. I want to learn. I say inappropriate things and I need to learn from that. But until somebody can call me out on those items, till somebody can bring it to my attention, I don't know. I like to feel like I'm educated. I want to be worldly. I want to know these things, but I haven't walked in your shoes. I can try. I can be empathetic. But that's only a piece of it, right? And I feel that until women are, and anyone is really ready to, oh, I can empathize, but what else can I do? You don't need my empathy. You don't need my sympathy. You don't need the charity. What can I do to help, to live that we rise by lifting others? And I could sit here and go, I could do this and I could do this, but I could also talk to people I know and say, what can I do? Christy and I have a very similar organizations. We have women's networking organizations that do a lot more. I hate to call them networking organizations because I know you all just went and threw up a little bit in your mouth because that happened. (laughs) But it's really different. And we have talked a number of times about collaborating together because my organization in the past has been primarily not exclusive by nature, but we've been very white. One race and not for lack of trying, just it just ended up that way. And until I really had conversations and tried to ask, why? How can we be more welcoming? How can we be more inclusive? Where do we find people? Where do we invite people to let them know this is a safe space? This is a place where you can come. Christy and I had those conversations. We talked about that. We thought about merging our two groups together. And after seeing attending Christy's group, I'm like, Christy, what you have is really special. It needs to stay on its own. But I want the collaborative nature in me wants to be help, wants to be a part of that. How can we work together, but still keep that flavor that's still what she can is, what women empowering women is, but bring it together. And how does it benefit us? I'm not everybody's flavor. Everybody's going to agree with what I say or, or find me funny or whatever. And that's okay because There are plenty of places or groups you need to find where you belong, who will embrace you, who will welcome you. And if they don't, and it's hard, it's hard when you get that, like, I'm not a part of that, but you don't need to be a part of that. 
that's, if you feel like you need to be a part of it, then work really hard to become a part of it, but find your group. I hate finding your tribe. (laughs) I feel like that's so overdone. Find your people. Find where you can shine, where people want you to be there, where they want to help you, where they're willing to open those doors, where they're willing to introduce you, where they're willing to learn, all of those things. And that's where you need to be. And if you don't know where to go, start asking other people that you admire, that you respect just, it's ask again. We came right back to that, didn't we? It's the ask. It's hard to ask. It is really hard, but. Well, I have to say something, Michelle. Without question, I wouldn't have known if I had a chance to meet Christy, if it hadn't been because you raised her up and lifted her and told me about what she did. And, and where in the past, I mean, you both women empowerment organizations or or advocacy organizations, you're leaders of that. You also do similar work. So by mm-hmm. sheer nature of what you do, you could be very competitive and say, oh, I can't be in the same room. But yet not only do you work together in your own city, but you come and you do things together and can just bounce off of each other. And that's really what we want to encourage. Anna and I always talk about competition should be a positive thing, not a negative right? When you find somebody who's like-minded, you can push each other to be even better. Mm -hmm. And I think as women, that's part of our disruptive nature. Let's change the way we've done things in the past and let's be better together because we can be. And we don't all need to be the exact same color, same mold. We're not going to do it. It's so boring. Again, we're going to, we're going, it's boring, right? We're not bringing our, (laughs) yeah. But I think I think that that to me is without question the fact that we can all be together and be so much better when we just keep pushing and keep pushing that whatever somebody told us was a glass ceiling. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome feedback. Yes. Great conversation, ladies. I know it's it's almost time to go and we could continue talking forever. I just want to share some statistics so that our audiences know why this topic was important and so that we can continue to push the agenda forward, right? Women have worked their way through the ranks of the professional world to represent well over half of the U.S. workforce, yet they continue to hold a vastly smaller percentage of leadership positions than men in various sectors. For women of color, the climb to be equally represented in leadership roles has been even more laggard. While today's statistics about women in leadership show improvement from years past, there's much more to be done. Women represent 58.4% of the U.S. workforce as of September 2022, but only held 35% of senior leadership positions. According to one study, companies with women executives are 30% more likely to outperform other companies, and some have taken notice. 8.8% of Fortune 500 CEOs are women. Less than 1% of Fortune 500 CEOs are women of color. Women represent 50.5% of medical students in the United States, but only account for 36.3% of doctors as of 2019. We've come a long way, but have so much more work to do. In summary, there are leaders and then there are true disruptive leaders. Disruptive leaders understand and see the world in a different light than others adapting their business and mindsets to create new solutions. 
What a thought-provoking conversation. So thank you, both of you, for being here with us today, Michelle and Christy. And to all of our listeners for joining the pod crew today, we'd like to leave you with this. Disruptive, ambitious women are evidence that compassion, resilience, and confidence can open doors to remarkable success. We aren't going to fix all the disparities women face in a day. So we need to keep the conversations going, such as lifting each other, like it was mentioned today often, continuing the conversations to empower women and chart their own paths to success. With that said, we hope that you learned something new and that you came away with something of value on this topic. So just a reminder, you can follow our guest, Michelle Stockman, on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and some others. Do you want to share your handle, Michelle? At Michelle Stockman, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-S-T-O-C-K-M-A-N-N. Thank you, Michelle. And Christy, we do you want to share your social media handles? Sure. It's at Christy with a K. K-R-I-S-T-Y Jackson at Christy Jackson. Excellent. So as promised, here's how to join us as an audience member on our next show episode. We hope that you are just as excited as we are. Go to the True Talk Cafe Facebook page and send us a request to attend Season 2, Episode 4. As an audience member, be sure to use hashtag TTCS2EP4. We will respond to your requests with our podcast website link where you will need to enter your preferred email address for us to send the audience link to. We'll also send all audience members a reminder the day before the show recording. It's going to be so much fun to join us live. And as always, we welcome your feedback. So please let us know your thoughts about today's show. Leave a comment or review. We will respond to all comments. Be nice. We'd love to hear your thoughts about today's topic. Please do not forget to like or rate the episode. And we appreciate you tuning into our podcast. And we hope you join us on the next TTC podcast and follow our Facebook page. Thanks for listening.